Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks. Whatever two or more of us are gathered, there you are. We give you thanks that we have this opportunity to worship you, that you speak to, through, speak to us through time and space. Loving God, take this time and use it for your purpose. May this be an opportunity for us to truly worship and see your face. God, make wherever we are, whether we are online or here in person, make wherever we are holy ground that this may indeed be holy time where we can wholly give ourselves over to this moment. See your face, hear your voice, be convicted by your spirit and transformed by your grace. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious loving God, we give you thanks that in the death of Christ can be our victory. We give you thanks that in a life that can feel like it is trapped in a cycle of struggle and shame, we can break free from that in you. And God, we give you thanks that even as we stumble, you never do. Even when our love fails, you remain steadfast, that you continually pour strength and power and grace into our lives. And so, loving God, we come before you now with what is on our hearts. We lift up those places in our own lives. We need your strength and power. We lift up those loved ones of ours that need to know your healing. We continue to lift up John Hafner um, on his long journey of recovery from a stroke. We lift up Sandra and her long battle with pancreatic cancer. We lift up Ray Kidd, who is now on a ventilator uh, fighting off the uh, long, long effects of COVID, God. We pray for all of them and lift them up to you. We lift up an unspoken prayer request. God, you know what that is. I don't need to know. You know, God, we pray for you to move there. We lift up the situation um, in the Ukraine. God, we pray for peace. God, we pray for protection. We certainly pray in particular for the civilians that are trapped in the middle of it. They say, when elephants fight, it is the grass that gets trampled. And so, God, we pray for those millions of people who are trapped in the middle of a conflict they did not ask for. God, we pray for your protection and pray for peace to reign. We pray for the over 2.5 million refugees who have sought shelter in places like Poland. God, we pray for their provision that they may be kept safe and made whole again. God, we continue to lift up this ongoing coronavirus pandemic, even as it spikes in places like China and Europe. God, we pray for healing that this season may finally be at an end. But God, we also know that we are also in need of prayer, uh, that we do not always live up as we should, that we are not always your people. And so we name those things, those places in our hearts, knowing even as we do, there is your second chance, your next chance that we can follow you and know your love and grace. And so God, may we take this second chance, this next chance, and run with it out into your world, loving others, serving others, telling our own story being a part of your transformation of the world. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. Y'all may be seated. Now I invite the children to come forward uh, for a message prepared just for them. Good group today. All right, guys. Good morning. Are you excited this morning? I see a couple still sleepy this morning. Did y'all just wake up just in time for church today? 
Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. I feel you. I feel you. Okay, so my question for you today is who is somebody in your life that you look up to, that you would like to be like when you grow up, someone that you like to learn from? Who is someone that you look up to? My music teacher. Your music teacher? Why do you look up to your music teacher? I like music. You like music? You're going to be a musician when you grow up? You do a really good job up, job up on stage here. An artist. An artist. Who's your art teacher? Miss Healy. Miss Healy. So you going to be like Miss Healy when you grow up? All right. How about you, Thomas? Astronaut. Astronauts. Astronauts. Are you going to be an astronaut when you grow up? Probably. I have a lot of choices. You, you do. You've got some time to decide, too. All right, who else do y'all, who, who, how about you, Judah? My mom. Your mom? Why do you look up to your mom? She was in the Navy, and I want to be in the Navy now. Awesome, awesome. My brother. Your brother? Why do you look up to your brother? Because he teaches me everything. Because he teaches you wonderful things, huh? So here's the thing about the people we look up to. We can learn from them by watching them and by doing what they do, right? If we want to be a really good musician, we watch our music teacher or artist or astronaut or if you, we, whatever it is that we want to do. We watch our mentors and we imitate them and we do things just like them when we learn from them, right? All right. What can we do if we want to be just like Jesus? Be nice. We can be nice. What else? Be grateful. Be grateful. Who can we look to if we want to be like Jesus? We have to be respectful. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Is that what you were going to say too? Yeah. And we can look to our examples that help us be like Jesus, right? Would y'all pray with me this morning? All right. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Let's put our hands together. And if you would, pray after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us mentors as examples in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys. Our scripture this morning comes from Paul's, Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 3, verse 17 through chapter 4, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, Join in imitating me, and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I often told you of them. Now I tell you even with tears. Their end is destruction. Their God is the belly. And their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And it is from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation that it may be conformed to the body of his glory by the power that also enables him to make all things subject to himself. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. This is God's good word for us, God's beloved people. Thanks be to God. Amen. So, 
How many of y'all know the significance of the number 42? If I say 42, okay, I see, you know, I see, I see a few hands go, okay. All right, so according to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, um, it is the answer to life, the universe, and everything. These, these scientists, these space scientists wanted to answer the, answer the fundamental question of the universe. What is life, the universe, and everything? And so they built this giant computer there featured on my right, your left, um, named Deep Thought. And they constructed this computer and whatever, it churned away and it took massive amounts of energy and labor and it took forever to churn out whatever calculations it's making and what it spat out at the end is the answer to life, the universe, and everything is 42. So then, dissatisfied with this, they realized they had to ask another question. What is the question behind life, the universe, and everything? And so they built an even bigger computer that took even longer. They named that computer the Earth. And shortly before the Earth churned out the answer, uh, it was blown up and they never got the answer in the story. This is comedy. I get it. It's funny. But it also seeks to really deep human truth. We, as a species, are on a search for meaning. We are on a search for the meaning, for life, the universe, and everything. As humans, we are not satisfied with what is right in front of us, with food um, and shelter and water. No, we long for something more. This really makes the field of public health very angry sometimes. I had to read this paper um, at some point in my life where it was like, what do people buy when they finally get, a, what's the first thing that people buy when they finally have enough money to buy better food than subsistence food? At that time, they all bought DVD players. Now it's probably, this study's from a few years ago, it's probably not DVD players anymore. But they all did not buy meat, right? What the public health people wanted them to do was like, okay, you can now afford something better than beans and bananas. By the way, on only beans and bananas, you can eat, you can have enough calories to do manual labor for 39 cents a day. So for 39 cents a day, any of us could be fully sustainable on nothing but beans and bananas. But the first thing when you, you do when you can afford something more than beans and bananas is apparently you buy a cell phone or a DVD player or a television. Now, public health is dismayed about this because you're not making the optimum decision for your physical wellness, but it says something about the needs of your soul, right? DVD player, cell phone, television as stand-in for wanting to connect to something more than ourselves, wanting to connect with something deeper than just what beans and bananas alone will provide. There is something innate to the human creature that wants more out of life than just beans and bananas. There are some really smart animals on this planet, right? Otters are tremendously smart. Otters know the difference between a good rock and a bad rock, and they'll reject some rocks and keep other rocks, and they tuck the good rock in their pouch so they're never without it. Also, they hold hands when they sleep so they don't float away from each other. It's really adorable. Otters are great, but otters do not found universities with philosophy departments, right? Gorillas are incredibly smart, have bigger skulls than we have. They live in family groups and apparently understand the concept of warfare. But gorillas, no gorilla has gone to art school and passed, right? Like, gorillas do not make art. Orcas, which should scare you? The scariest of all animals are killer whales because they talk in orca, but they have language and culture. 
and they can teach things verbally to their children. And different orcas pods have different cultures. Some know how to flip icebergs. Some know how to kill great white sharks. And how do they teach their children how to do that? The same way you do, by talking to them in their pod-specific language. They're terrifying, but they don't have departments of religion. Yet. I mean, you know, give them enough time. Orcas are scary. Maybe it's because they don't have hands. I don't know. Not yet, again. No one tell orcas about robots. These are all very smart animals. But I'll do very advanced stuff. But none of them make art. None of them pen works of philosophy. None of them read or write poetry. Right? There's something more than intelligent about humans that we long for and wish to express something far deeper than how to kill great white sharks, how to eat seals, and what rock is best for smashing. In Genesis 1, it talks about us being created in the image of God. To me, this longing for death, this thing that is unique to humanity, is part of what it means to be made in the image of God that we, as C.S. Lewis will talk about, have are made to seek something, and that something is God. Now, we as a species are also good at finding love in all the wrong places, and so people try to find meaning in a lot of places. But this instinct that is born into us and seemingly into no other creature on this planet, this longing for depth, can be, and I, as your pastor, will argue should be, found in God. Because that is certainly what Paul wants to get across to the Philippians for a very specific reason. The Philippians are having a real bad time. They're having a real bad go of it. It's not going well for the Philippians. They are under attack for some reason. One of the things about reading scripture that was written 2,000 years ago, we don't really know exactly what's going on. They seem to have written Paul a letter that we don't have, and so we only have Paul's response. You ever end up in an email chain halfway through, and you don't know what the first half of the email or text thread was? This happens to me a fair amount. That is also what happens in Scripture sometimes. We don't know the exact nature of the Philippians' struggle because that letter to Paul has been lost. All we have is Paul's response to them. We know it's some kind of conflict. It may involve persecution. It's not their fault, and Paul loves them a lot. Philippians is one of those super positive letters that Paul sends to encourage these people that are struggling deeply. You're, this is why in Philippians you have that line about, you know, uh, and, and anything is possible through God, right? Like, that is because they need to hear that because they are being persecuted, attacked, in conflict, and it's terrible. And so Paul, to encourage them, says, hey, there's more to life than this. There is more to life than what is right in front of you. When you are trapped in that tunnel of suffering, it can feel like that is all there is. And Paul wants to break through that tunnel of suffering and say, no, no, no. There is something far deeper going on. That the people who attack you have let go of depth. 
what you are doing is holding on to the depths of reality. And that um, is the point he makes in kind of the core bit of this text, which is verses 18 through 21 of chapter 3. For many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I have often told you of them, and now I tell you even with tears. Their end is destruction. Their God is the belly. And their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And it is from there that we are expecting a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation that it may be conformed. Easy for me to say. Um, that it may be conformed to the body of his glory by the power that also enables him. The people who do not seek what is deeper in this world miss out on a lot. And in Paul's case with the Philippians, he's saying, those who, have, those who are attacking you miss out on the real depth that you can have in having a relationship with God. And it is not that that depth is far away. That depth is at hand and available to any who wish to have it. It is merely there in seeking God. It is merely there in aligning yourself with God. It is there because Christ opens this up for us. This isn't something we have to search for over and over again. Instead, the meaning is right here. You do not need a giant supercomputer that uh, will run on the, you know, whatever, run for hundreds of years to spit out your answer. The meaning is right here. There is meaning to existence. It is there. It is God. God is the meaning behind existence. Now, you can connect with God in any number of ways, through prayer, through worship, through study, through being in nature, through never going outside, whichever works for you. But that meaning is there. There is more to life than mere existence. There is more to life than this existence. And humans know that. Whether you are religious or not, you know there is something going on more than what you can see. That is innate. It ends up in philosophy. It ends up in poetry. It ends up in art. Let me talk to you about all the really deep people I knew in art school who had some really deep ideas about life and the universe, man. Yeah, you're still growing, gl gluing shoes to a chalkboard, brother. I don't know what that expresses about the universe, but you definitely glued some shoes to a chalkboard. Were they his shoes? No, he found them on campus. A whole bunch of people had only right shoes. Don't leave your shoes out front of your dorm room door at the College of William Mary, Mary circa 2006. They are in a piece of experimental art, I think. There is more to this existence. We know it. We search for it. We spill thousands of, you know, thousands of gallons of ink a year trying to find it. But the truth is that search is far more simple than we think. That search is, is the search for God. And you don't need a supercomputer. 
And you don't need to view experimental art. I mean, you can. I can sometimes find God in experimental art, or sometimes I can see how far that artist is from God uh, based on experimental art. That search is far simpler. It's right here. Because of God's love for us, because of what Christ opens to us, we can know God. And in that, we can find meaning. That meaning may be different for all of us. It may look different for all of us. It may not be the same. What, where that meaning takes us is going to be far from easy. Read what Paul's life was like. It's not always once you find that meaning. It's not always easy. It's not even easy for the Philippians. But to miss out on it is to miss out on the depths of life that are possible. To finally have that answer, who am I, what is my meaning, what is my place, what is the answer to life, the universe, and everything? The question is not, is there meaning out there? Yeah, there absolutely is meaning out there. The question is not, can you find it? No, you can find it. Christ opens this up to anyone. The question is simply, will we look in the right place? Or will we spend more of our life looking for love in all the wrong places, looking for meaning in all the wrong places? Knowing there's depth and then trying to find depth in everywhere that it isn't, or everywhere that it isn't quite. God has already given us the opportunity to have a deeper life. The question is, will we make it ours? You do not have to wonder. You do not have to build a supercomputer. There is meaning to the life, the universe, and everything. It is God's presence and God's guidance leading you forward. Amen. This faith life is itself a journey. And like, like any journey, it has a beginning point. One of those places it begins is in the sacrament of baptism. Um, and we have a, a Joyce, or certainly I have a Joyce event. I'd like to think y'all are Joyce about it too. Uh, we have a baptism uh, this morning. Um, it is my daughter, Esther. Um, and so I present to y'all, um, waving to y'all, um, Esther uh, for baptism. Oh, you did put the hat back on. For, for the moment. <laughs> All right. Well, on behalf of the whole church, I ask you as Esther's parents, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sins? I do. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? I do. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church, which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? I do. Will you nurture Esther in Christ's holy church that by your teaching and example, she may be guided to accept God's grace for herself, to profess her faith openly, and to lead a Christian life? I will. And now, church family, 
Baptism is not just about an individual and God or even a family and God. It is about all of us committing to each other, to be a part of each other's faith walks. And so every baptism we do here at Grace Church involves not just these questions asked, but a question to each of y'all as members of Christ's body. Will you, as Christ's body of the church, recommit yourselves to your own Christian walks and recommit yourselves to love one another and include this little one now before you in Christian love, if you will say, we will. Let us pray. Eternal God, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. After the flood, you set in the clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children, you brought through the Jordan to the land that you promised. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus, nurtured in the water of a womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Loving God, pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and she who is to receive it, to wash away her sin and to clothe her in righteousness throughout her life, that dying and being raised with Christ, she may share in his final victory. Amen. Esther Cecile, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, work within you. That having been born by water and the Spirit, you may walk in a way that leads to life eternal. Amen. <laughs> Members of the Grace Church family, I present to you the newest member of the family of God. in peace to love and serve the Lord. There is deeper meaning to this world that can be found in God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.